when we started this, and you were worried you sounded too harsh. Yeah, I know. I know. I, I thought that I'd come across like I was bullying you. Yeah. But I'm not. Say it to the nice people. I'm not bullying you. I'm saying this on my own free will. Are you going to bark all day? This is a tasty burger. I am just a figment of your imagination. Here's Johnny. You are a sad, strange little man. These guys were laughing. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Popcorn Bucket Podcast with Ben and Rob. This is a regular look at the wonderful world of films, film franchises and film nonsense. This week is a franchise fatigue episode in which we take a franchise and look at the high points, the low points and everything in between to sort out the perfect puffs of popcorn from the sad stale bits at the bottom of the bucket. This week the random popcorn maker of film topics has popped out the Men in Black franchise, which we will discuss with full spoilers from the outset, which currently consists of four films running from 1997 to 2019. So, Men in Black. I like Men in Black as a, as a thing. I was pleased when the random popcorn maker film topics uh, spat this out, because I yeah I was looking forward to watching. Certainly the first film was you know, a big part of my childhood. I really enjoyed it. Mm, same. Yeah, I remember getting it on VHS. Oh Christ, I've just aged another fifty years. I can remember. <laughs> I can remember the uh, the VHS stand for it in Battersea Asda when I when I visited my nan, obviously in nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, look, I think I can remember sort of the the stand with, was uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones holding their big guns with like flashing lights on it. That does sound familiar, actually. Yeah. I think I begged and then goaded and then tortured my dad into getting me it on VHS. I did see it in the cinema. Um, I didn't see this one in the cinema. I did have it on VHS. It was one of those ones that had a, it was like an all black case. Yes. And uh, I had some postcards as well. So it was like some Ray-Ban promotional kind of things. And you could pop out the uh, the glasses and wear them. It was just cardboard. They weren't yeah. actual Ray-Bans. Oh, well. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the, this was this was a kind of, or at least the first one, a formative movie for me. Yeah, yeah. And I imagine, you know, you were about the right age. We, we were kind of both similar ages. You know, that's kind of when your brain kind of starts properly switching on and sort of engaging with things, you know. Hmm. Um, yeah, well, let's let's talk about the first one without further ado. Okay, so it was released in 1997, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, written by Ed Solomon, uh, based on the comic by Lowell Cunningham. Music was by Danny Elfman, starring Will Smith, Tommy Lee Jones, Rick Torn, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Linda Fiorentina. The plot is, a police officer joins a secret organization that polices and monitors extraterrestrial interactions on Earth. Yep, short and sweet. It's a short and sweet film. It's only 90 minutes. Yeah, they pack a lot in, though, don't they? They do, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I can't contain myself any longer. I love The First Man in Black. Mm. I One of my favorite films possibly ever, genuinely. I think it gets smarter and funnier as the years go on. I think it's just everything sort of done right. It, it blew my mind as a kid because there were things in it that I just hadn't seen before. As I've got older and as I've appreciated more of the jokes, more of the kind of satire, more of the kind of mm. things, it's... It's so, so good. They, you know, they do not make blockbusters like this anymore. I mean, and, and you've got powerhouse performances from Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Their charisma is the, the kind of engine in the whole thing. And then you've got a great supporting cast as well. 
and a genuinely creepy villain. Yeah, Edgar is is disturbing. It's dark as well. I remember a lot of the the sort of not necessarily well, I suppose it is violence, but you don't see a lot of it. But like the the sort of deaths and everything really stuck with me as a kid. Yeah. They're they're really quite gruesome. You know, original Edgar gets kind of pulled into the sort of the crater and gets his skin ripped off. Uh that Zappum guy gets fumigated himself. Yeah, yeah the uh, Ed, uh David Cross in the morgue gets killed by bug spray. Stuck yeah, to the ceiling. He gets stuck to the ceiling. Um uh, the the random waiter gets broken in half. Mm, yes. The two the two alien dudes get kind of stuck through the neck. It's it's grim. Yeah. And but that's what you kind of, well, that's certainly what I liked as a kid. That sort of darkness to it. And you know, it's a funny film anyway. It had it had funny moments and it had big silly moments as well that I could appreciate. But yeah, the, the, the darkness is kind of integral to it. I, I kinda like it. It makes it kind of Tim Burton esque, actually. Okay. It, in quite a few well, I think it, it's also the Danny Elfman music that's helping with that. But um but I, I think there's kind of like a an almost fairy tale, pulpy type thing going on. You know, those kind of fantasy stories and, and they tended to have quite dark uh subject matter. And uh and yeah, and you know, clearly it is based on that because it's based on the the Marvel comic book actually. Apparently, it was the success of this film, which is why Marvel thought they'd collaborate with studios on future projects, like which led to uh, the first Spider-Man film. Men in Black is is responsible for the modern superhero movie. I mean, basically, yeah, yeah. This film is an all-timer for me. Absolutely five stars, perfect in it. You know, in what it attempts to do. I I can't think of too much wrong with it. I'd put it in the Rob 100 list of films. That's an exclusive club. So, look, I've I've kind of waxed lyrical a little bit about the movie. Please tell me, because I know my opinions on the movie. I've lived with them for many, many years. I would like to know yours. Watching it this time, there's um, things I picked up on that I hadn't like noticed before. Uh, at the beginning, where you're saying goodbye to Asian V, who is uh, Tony Jones's older partner in the film, he says he'll miss the chasing, and then it cuts straight into Will Smith, who's chasing an alien. And mm. um, before he's a member of Men in Black, yeah, I do, I do think that the, um, Vincent D'Onofrio as the villain is a horrible villain, and I was glad his when he was human. I was glad his truck got destroyed. He's not a nice man. Mm. It contains things I, I sort of like quite regularly think about, even if I'm not necessarily thinking about the film. Um, it contains one of the superpowers I think I'd like from film, just like a silly one of you know the uh, the guy in the jewelry store who gets shot in the head and then grows his head back. Jack Jeeves, yeah. I'd love that power. I think it'd be a great way to end conversations. What, to just shoot yourself in the head and then grow it back? Yeah. Well, it stings. Yeah, but... I mean, it'd be a conversation ender, but then I think it starts a whole new line of questioning. If you're if you're in a really awkward, like, a, yeah, an awkward moment, like when you said hello to someone who you don't, who, who isn't who you thought they were, waved to someone just, across the just street. Just blow your own head off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. For a superpower, you want one that gets you out of slight social awkwardness. Rather than sort of flight or super strength or invisibility, you were just like, no, I just really want to end conversations. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, look, more power to you, man. <laughs> just... <laughs> 
Another one is the the interview when he goes to, well, when Will Smith goes to be interviewed for Men in Black, and he sat with all the egg chairs, and they're trying to f- fill out the uh, the survey. Yeah, and they're all sort of struggling to to write with the pencils, and some are going through paper, and they can't find the right position. So there's just that scene that goes on for so long as he's just dragging this really heavy table, like silent room, scraping. Oh, I think about that quite a lot. It's brilliant. It sounds awful, doesn't yeah. it? It's it's yeah. the worst. But yeah, it's that's so good i mean was that part of the test having the having the kind of the guts to get the table maybe i mean you could have got the chair yeah because um, some of them some of them were nearer to the table yeah i know but they because they, they were clearly all struggling yeah i think it's meant to be part of the test that he's you know looked at a different way of dealing with the problem and would you have shot little tiffany <laughs> That's good. That's good reasoning. It is good reasoning. Well, apparently, according to the novelization, he was right to do that. Oh, okay. That was that was the test. Like his reasoning is sound because you know no. the rest of them just blindly f- fire at monsters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, okay. the, the, so, so yeah, the little Tiffany, she did deserve to die. Nice. So I think I think Rip Torn is great in it. Oh, he is. So so good, but there is there are so many there are so many things that just absolutely work. Yeah, Zed talking about an intergalactic kegger, <laughs> you know the worm guys. I love, I love the, worm the worm guys. guys. Yeah. Frank the pug. Yeah, Frank the pug. There's a scene where Tommy Lee Jones is shaking a pug dog. Yes, <laughs> and it's so good. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just it, I, I think, I mean, a real shout out has to go to Rick Baker, who did the creature effects and things mm. like that. Like they, he clearly got to kind of let his mind just go wherever on this one, and got to create some really, really out there monsters, and they're all fantastic. And I, I just love the concept. I love the sort of. MIB headquarters being like an airport. It's so well designed. Yeah, and well, at the beginning, you've got the uh, the border patrol and um, people smuggling in people from Mexico, and then the whole thing is about immigration from outer space. Yeah, and you have got the bug as well being squished. You know, at the thing. Yeah. So you've got, you've got the two main kind of narrative drugs of the movie in in one opening sequence. Yeah. It's a long opening sequence, isn't it? Considering it's a 90-minute film, but the first five minutes are following a mosquito. Yeah. Goddamn bugs. Yeah, it's such a smart movie. It's got so much to say. I mean, the one... I I think about quite a few lines from this movie because I I saw it a lot. I watched Mm. the VHS on repeat. NYPD means I will knock your punk ass down. (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite lines possibly in anything (laughs) um but i mean the the one the one that keeps coming back to me and it it comes back to me in uh moments where the world doesn't show itself uh in the best colors when uh Kay is talking to jay on the uh bench and he's you know he's just found out that aliens exist and he says why the big secret people are smart they can handle it do you remember what he says next? He says, "People, are, uh, a person is smart, people are stupid. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. 
1500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was the center of the universe. 500 years ago, everybody knew the Earth was flat. And 15 minutes ago, you knew that humans were alone on this planet. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. I'm not sure people thought the world was flat. They thought it was smaller. They didn't think it was flat. You're taking some of the poetry out of the whole thing. Yes, I know. I know that the flat Earth thing doesn't go back as far as that. It's mostly idiots on the internet who think the world is flat. Come at me. Flat Earthers. He'll meet you around the back. Yeah, I'll show you the fucking curvature of the Earth. So angry and violent. Well, you know, one of us has to be. Uh, and another joke I noticed there this time around was um, when uh, Agent J asks when he's going to get a neuralizer. Tommy Lee Jones says, when you grow up. So he responds by scratching his eye while swearing at the With his little like, finger. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd never noticed that before. <laughs> yeah. And also, um, again, Jay referring to the car as a Ford POS, which I didn't realize. I uh, you thought know, that what was a model of car. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was a kid. Yeah. A Ford POS. <laughs> yeah. There, but there are, there are things that, there are subtle jokes that I really like. I like that um, Kay keeps giving himself a kind of fancy uh, code name, uh, like pseudonym when he's talking to people, you know, so he's Agent Mannheim and this is Special Agent Black. <laughs> and then the next one is, is you know, Dr. White. And yeah. you just look at Will Smith's reactions for both those. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. Will Smith is the king of the withering look because I really love the, the, uh, the alien birth scene as well. That's quite cute. It is cute. It is cute, but I love it's so dumb. The big tentacle coming out and smashing on top of the car, and then and then afterwards they get in the car and he's covered with alien vomit. And he said, "Did anything about that seem unusual to you?" <laughs> Just the look <laughs> he gives him is so good. And did you notice that uh, when they went to see Beatrice, Edgar's wife? So he spits out the lemonade. Yes, I, I, yeah, I read that. It's because she's used all the sugar for Edgar's water. Yeah, from sugar water. In water. Vincent D'Onofrio uh, wore knee braces and taped up his ankles to walk in that weird way. Vincent D'Onofrio is fantastic. And he commits 100%. And he looks uncomfortable in that skin. Oh, is that when he's trying to casually sort of lean and, and look at Rosenberg and the cat? And he's just trying to get like a casual lean going and he's and he's contorting himself. It mm. it's horrible. The little head aliens are cute. The little dude inside the big dude's head. Yeah. Yeah, they are. That was the type of thing that kind of really blew my mind as a kid. Mm. Just like I'd never seen anything like that. You know, I hadn't seen like total recall or anything like that. I hadn't seen anything going up to that. So this was a brand new kind of concept. And I was like, wow. I'm always a bit sad when he just dies and the lights go off, it all powers down. Yeah. How good is Linda Fiorentino as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah as the morgue agent. Uh, yeah. Doctor. Yeah. I think this might be my first, um, watching it now, I think this might be kind of like the first time I was exposed to cool, because Will Smith is cool in this. Yes. Obviously, it was before we met, so I'd never seen anything cool before. <laughs> Thanks, man. I think it might also be like the first thing I can remember being overtly American. In uh, in my youth, like with all the yellow cabs, it's almost like my first introduction to American culture and cool culture. Mm. Well, it's a it's a great advert for New York, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's part of the whole joke is that New Yorkers are so jaded and cynical; they feel that they've seen everything. So aliens, kind of mostly hiding, sort of Manhattan and everything, 
aren't gonna get a double look you know it's yeah. it's, it's that sort of deal this was a first in a lot of ways uh, yeah cool is definitely the the thing will smith is is peak cool here i yeah. think he does make um, it look good he does make it look good but as i've got older i've got way more appreciation for tommy lee jones yeah. And his uh, and his his ridiculously dry deliveries of things. I, I like um, when Jay catches him uh, checking up on his wife. Yeah, and he sort of doesn't really say much and just straightens the pens and tidies tidies the desk in like a kind of compartmentalizing way. I, th- I think that's quite neat. There are so many nice character moments, and apparently Tommy Lee Jones wasn't kind of like happy with the script when he kind of yes, signed yeah, on. he called it trash. Yeah, so he was so he was ad libbing a lot of it and kind of put Will Smith on the spot because he was a younger, more inexperienced actor. I mean, obviously he acted a lot, but like not compared to Tommy Lee Jones. But it works so well that you know, with the whole buddy cop thing, everyone thinks of Lethal Weapon, everyone thinks of uh, sod it, name a thing, even even Bad Boys, but no yeah. one no one really thinks of Men in Black. And it's 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 a perfect buddy cop movie. Yeah, you got the jaded older partner and the uh, the, and rookie. the rookie. Yeah, yeah. it it so works and it's so well done. And there there are just things about it. There are scenes in in this movie that just are part of my brain makeup. You know, they are they are just so ingrained in there. The bit where uh, they shoot down Edgar's ship. And it, it crashes through the globe in, in the yes. flushing meadows, I think it is, in Queens. I don't know. It's the same thing as used in Iron Man 2, isn't it, I think? Yes. Or it looks to be. Yeah. So, you know, that's... that's what I like about that is, is Will Smith, uh, sort of, Tommy Lee Jones, just staring at it as it happens. And Will Smith yeah. sort of like looking towards him, like, do we move yet? Do we move yet? Do we move yet? <laughs> yeah. And Tommy Lee Jones is just, is just keeping focus, just yeah. stoically standing there. Yeah. That, yeah, there are so many, like, good moments between will smith kind of doing something weird with his face and Tommy jones doing nothing with his yeah. face it's great clint uh, eastwood was originally uh offered the role but turned it down yeah i think it, i think it would have been i mean you can see the gruff sort of grizzled veteran but no, tommy lee jones has a has a sense of humor that clint eastwood doesn't i know clint eastwood mm-hmm. has been in some kind of sillier things but I, Tommy Lee Jones has has the comedic chops. He's got great timing. And John Landis turned down the chance to direct it and said he later regretted turning it down. But he turned mm. it down because he thought it would be the Blues Brothers with aliens. Yeah, it's so not. Will Smith nearly turned it down because he didn't want to want to do another alien movie straight after Independence Day. His wife convinced him to take it. Mm. Yes, well, that was a wise decision because... Uh, yeah. Where, he... where, did, where did the Independence Day franchise go? They made four, didn't they? No. And the last one was called ID4. No, that was the first one. That was the, their like kind of trendy promotional kind of yeah. thing because it was the fourth of July. So no, they made I two. Know. Yes, I know. Okay, well, geez, you can't. Okay, Rob, when you okay, let me just give you a little comedy advice here because I'm clearly I've clearly mastered it. Okay, okay. so when you kind of make a ridiculous statement. Don't sound like you're reading it from a fact sheet. Because <laughs> I had no idea that you were joking. <laughs> None whatsoever. I think it says more about you than me. 
Well, possibly. Watching it this time, I did vaguely feel sorry for the cockroaches, but then I found afterwards that their mustard packets that they were stamping on at the end, and that the American Humane Society counted all the cockroaches in and out to make sure that they were genuinely none harmed in the making of the film. Yeah. Yeah, well, I wonder. I often wonder what they did with the cockroaches in uh, in the rock. The rock you know, roaches. The, cutting that out. Just making a note. Twenty six forty. Cut out whatever the fuck Rob says. Um. Yes, the cockroaches in the rock. Rockroaches. <laughs> God damn it. Also, you shouldn't mention the time you're cutting out now, because surely by this point you've already cut other bits out, so the time has moved on. We've moved on, Ben. Anyway, back to the rock roaches. So, yes, the rock roaches, then, as they must be called now. <laughs> you said they're really resigned, way. I've beaten yeah, well, you down. It's just, it's just because I, just, I can't be bothered to do all that editing. Do you know the bit I'm talking about? No, I've not seen the, the rock for ages. It's just shoot me in the face. <laughs> and then it'll grow back. And then it will grow back, and I can avoid this conversation. Uh, it's the bit where Nicolas Cage is in the thing, they have the doll and it spews the poison gas and they have the cockroaches in there as like a control and then the cockroaches start kind of like going, bursting inside out yep. in a jar. And I always wondered whether they did that with actual cockroaches. Probably, Probably not. not. Probably not. But, you know. Anyway, that's completely beside the point. So, that was yeah. really worth the uh, three minutes we've been talking about. I know. Well, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna mention rock roaches now. Like that's it's just gonna be uh, not even talking about the rock. We'll talk about the rock again because I love the rock. Rock roaches. <sighs> what I really like is uh, the ending, the absolute ending of when they zoom out and zoom out and zoom out, and then past the galaxy, and the galaxy is in a marble with all these other ones. Yeah that that was a real that was a real mind blow for me as a kid as well. Mm. I was just like, wow. It's kind of weirdly existential. existential? Yeah. yeah. Like it it's a real it's a real mind fuck. I don't think there's another word for it that isn't as rude. It, it that was that was the kind of thing I was like, wow, big like how big are those aliens? Yeah. Yeah, that that really kind of got me as a kid. And while it does look like a sort of screensaver on Windows ninety five now, <laughs> it's still great. It's like a Star Wars thing where there's always a bigger fish. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, we're just we're just a marvel in a bag full of marvels. It's deep, man. I enjoyed Marvel Run as a kid. That was a good game. Uh I'm trying to think if there's anything else about the first men in black. I love the noisy cricket. Yes. The noisy cricket, that's a great gag. Um The neuralizer is a cool weapon which we've not talked about. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's such a fantastic invention, isn't it? It's, it's hmm. just like the the whole the whole thing, and I, I like I like the ongoing thing of of Jay wanting them to be happy memories. For yes, people. yeah, that's nice. So yeah, the, no, the new realizer is great, and uh, and the sound of it as well is fantastic. Yes, the it's flash so, of a camera, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's sort of like the recharge sound of like yeah. a, a flash bulb mm. or something, but yeah. it sounds so good. And it's iconic. It's it's genuinely yeah, iconic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a perfect sci-fi action movie. It, yeah, as I said, probably all-time top ten. Meant so much oh, to wow. me back in okay. the day. Means so much to me now. 
Yeah. Uh, I and and it just gets more and more brilliant. Every time yeah. No, I, I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed it, and it's nice. It's sort of it's it, it's a you know a ninety minute film. There's no there's no nothing excess on it. I think it all it all works. It all ticks along. No, it it's builds. it it's tight as a drum. Yeah, and it builds an entire world pretty well, and you know galaxies and marbles. It's got some heart to it as well. At the end, when well, the Tommy Lee Jones pining for his wife, and um, at the end when he says goodbye, and uh, yeah, it's 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 really nice. Mm, it's funny. It it's it's dark. It's it's got all, it's got everything. It really does, and uh, I think I think it's it's one of those things. Like I know people are kind of maybe a bit sort of over the franchise, as it were, mm. but maybe they just haven't seen the first Men in Black in a while. Mm. it's that damn good uh it it honestly honestly is i don't know how you can sort of watch it and go you know what yeah that's fine no it's better than fine yeah i've seen it so many times now on so many different formats you know and it's kind of i just you know it's it's always been there and always will be so yeah massive thumbs up to men in black yeah so, shall we talk about the sequel? Okay. Men in Black 2, often written as Men to Black, uh, released in 2002. Again, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, written by Robert Gordon and Barry Thanero, starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones again, Lara Flynn Boyle, Johnny Knoxville, and Tony Sh- uh, Shaloub. Mm. Uh, the plot is, Agent J is sent to find Agent K and restore his memory after the, re- the reappearance of a case from K's past. Yes. Rosario Dawson's also in it. Oh, yes. In a recent one shot, we talked about your one of your top ten films, Wild Wild West. Uh, also directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Yeah. Um, because of that, they made sure that uh, he said that Kay had to be brought back earlier because audiences don't want to see uh, Will Smith as the straight man. He said he learned this from Wild Wild West. Hmm. That makes sense. I like the opening to this film. It's that kind of uh, trashy B movie uh, mysteries from history film. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which I is like. like that. A, a documentary about um, the the men in black or, or sort of like a conspiracy video. Um, I like how cheap that looks. And then it goes into the really big CGI credits of exploding planets. Yeah. Yeah. I think it is a good intro. And the aliens uh, spaceship landing on earth, which looks remarkably similar to the one in that mysteries from history. And then mm. it's revealed it's a really tiny ship. ship I like. Mm. For sure. So overall, what do you think of this movie, Rob? Overall, I do not like it. Yeah, same. There are, there are elements I think are okay. I like the fact that Jay is at ease now and that he, he's kind of like, or particularly in the beginning, and that he's like got this casual nonchalance to everything going on like Kay did from uh, Men in Black. I like that the Neuralizer now has a blue light. Mm. Um, and you can see there's definitely more money's been spent on this one. There's a really dark line which in which uh, Jay says, Elle wanted to go back to the morgue. I just helped him. Because Linda Fiorentina was apparently was going to reprise her role, but they wrote her out the script. Yeah, I, I, I always had a bit of a problem with that because I thought she she kind of brought the sass and she she was such an interesting character in the first one. You know, as you said, the sort of queen of the undead type thing. And she's got her own agency. You know, she's kind of... She's got a lot of things that sort of check off a good character. And and so the fact that she just ended up where she was is a little bit sad. I mean, does it count as fridging? I thought they meant that they killed her. No. <laughs> no. Yeah? Okay. No, she she works there. Okay. 
Because I don't see her. I just thought the line, you know, she wanted to go back to the morgue. I just helped her. I thought it meant is no, <laughs> no. Well, really? that's not that's not what. No, because she worked in the morgue before. She did, I know. Yeah. So she wanted to go back to the morgue. So I don't he think, helped like, her go there by uh... by neuralizing her and okay. saying, "Go back to your old job." Hmm, okay. I re- I really don't think they'd have an off thing where they were just like, so he killed her. I didn't necessarily think he killed her. I just meant that he sort of put her in a situation in which she got killed. Okay. I don't no, think so. I don't know. Okay. It could be. It could be. But I, that was not my take. I like the aliens in the post office. Um, I, I, and I like that. We talked about Percy Jackson um, yeah. with the aliens in the UPS office. So not the aliens, the, the gods. Um, I like their sort of hiding in plain sight thing. And I, I really like the reveal that where, you know, there's a guy, in, um, a multi-armed guy in the sortation machine. Yeah, I like that they're all aliens. I think that's quite nice. I also like the line of, this is the last suit you'll ever wear again. Yeah, and then he goes to say something else and just... Uh, oh. I mean... With that, with that post office thing, the, uh, there's a girl who asks for rug rat stamps. Mm-hmm. In Hungary, it was dubbed as South Park stamps. And in Germany, it was dubbed as Pokemon stamps. Oh, wow. And Bismarcky is the alien in the post office who does the be- uh, who does the beatboxing. Yeah. Weirdly, this one makes it seem like J and K worked together for ages, whereas in the previous one it was a day or two days maybe. But they make it seem like they've had this really long working relationship. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I think it just it got confused with sort of the audience's familiarity and, and the animated TV show, I guess. Yeah, but I I don't know. Was that canon? Um, apparently there's the, uh, the Johnny Knoxville character is in the program or there's some sort of, or his race is in the program. Yeah. I mean, I like Knoxville at the best of times, but I, he just sticks out like a sore thumb here to me. Like a man with two heads. Well, yeah, but it's just like, I don't, I the get villain, that, the villains aren't good. Um, Lara Flynn Boyle, a dumb I, guy, but what yeah. happens to him anyway? Nothing. He just disappears. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I don't think the villains are particularly compelling. I don't really get why she has to be a Victoria's Secret model or whatever it was at the beginning. I mean, I guess they just wanted her to be attractive. They wanted her to be Laura Flynn Boyle. So, yeah, it's yeah, it, it's it's not good. I want you to go against your core beliefs right now. I said at the start of this, like Men in Black Two. What do you think? I don't like it. And then you listed the things that a bunch of things that you did like, and I yeah, love I the fact. Yeah. I love the fact that you focus on the positive, but. I want to get to the to the parts that you didn't like. I like, don't like the villains. I don't think they're at all compelling. I don't think their plot is that good. It, it doesn't feel. It feels like they they had a load more money to throw at this because of the success of the first film, and I don't think they spent it on the script. Yeah, well, they they just had a bunch of kind of henchmen aliens. Yeah, and at the end, where they're introducing a guy with like with like little aliens under his cloak, it's just like like we're saying with Zorro, it's just like henchmen for the sake of henchmen. They aren't really doing yeah. anything. You're told they have a beef, but. It's not really shown. I think the thing that really gets me as well, and it's 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 the thing that really pulls me out of the movie. What is with the random bits of wire foo in this? So if you remember, you've got K when he when he finally gets his memory back and he comes in and he starts busting alien heads. Hmm. And he's like, Oh, that guy's got tendrils on his chin, so he twangs them, and then he's a bald chinian, one of the dumbest jokes. Hmm. Um, and then he does this kind of ridiculous wire foo kick into his chin knackers. And I think then, it's meant to be because Tommy Lee Jones looked quite old to be well, doing yeah, it. Yeah, I, I get the joke because they do it with Zed as yes, well. Yeah. But it's the dumbest shit. I, I just, it pulls me out. I know it's about space aliens and 
space guns and lasers and shit. But like, uh, for some reason, that just always kind of sticks out to me. I just don't like it. It's it's not a particularly great joke. What well, oh uh, that old guy is doing something you wouldn't expect old guys yeah. to do. Brilliant. Clappity clap. I felt sorry for Jay at the end when he had to say goodbye to Rosario Dawson. Yeah, Rosario Dawson is actually pretty good in this. She's just given nothing to do. Yeah, I, and I I like the fact that well I don't like the fact because I like Jay, but like I I like the fact that he has you know she says it's not fair. Like yes, yeah. they have to they have to give that up, and that's the that's the sort of life of an MIB agent. It was originally filmed in front of the Twin Towers, but it was finished filming i think a couple of weeks after mm. the after 9-11 so they had to edit it edit the twin towers out of quite a lot of shots yeah that had a surprisingly huge effect on a lot of movies around that time yeah well there's the spider-man promo wasn't yeah. there where it strung up between the helicopter was strung up between the two towers yeah Crazy. and a lot of posters and things yeah yeah there are concepts, I think, like you said, you said you liked elements. There are concepts in this that I really like. Hmm. I like the fact that Jay has been neuralizing his partners <laughs> since K. Yes, by taking them for pie. Yeah, by taking them for pie. And I like Patrick Warburton as well. Yeah. But I I think that the rest of it, I mean, there's a joke in Rick and Morty about this, that Men in Black 2 is just callbacks to the first one. Which, uh, I mean, possibly spoiler for if you ever talk about it, is my issue with Frozen 2. Mm, that the yeah, only bits of Frozen 2 that work are the bits where they're talking about the first Frozen film. Yeah, like Olaf's song. Mm. It's an odd thing because you, you look at the beats and they're pretty similar. It, you know, it's, oh, it's the MIB agent taking in their future partner to to the whole thing, except the roles are reversed this time. And, oh, they've got to go to Jack Jeebs again. And it just, it's just, Whenever they do that with all these things, it just reminds me of the ways that it's not the original. Yeah, and it it, it gets to me, and I, I I can't get past that. It was the same with like Jurassic World, making all the Jurassic Park references. I get this Jurassic World; it's got Jurassic in the name, but you're just reminding me of all the ways you're not Jurassic Park. And Men in Black Two is reminding me of all the ways it's not Men in Black because the script isn't nearly as witty. I don't think it has any kind of thematic thing to it. I mean, the the idea was like like he's like we said kind of at the start of the thing that there was it was alien immigration. It was that sort of thing. What does Men in Black Two have to say? Isn't it funny when the pug is in a suit? It, like what he does what? he does think I will survive out the window of a moving car. Weirdly, the pug was the same dog from the first film, and they had to put makeup on him to make him look younger. <laughs> dog de aging. That's weird. Yeah, that is weird. I like how in the flashback scene, when when Kay kind of realizes what's going on, that it, it is just Tommy Lee Jones with brown hair instead of uh, instead of grey. I I think they would have de-aged him nowadays. Yes, yeah. Uh, or hired Josh Brolin. Or hired Josh Brolin, indeed. But uh, just it just it makes my head hurt. Men in Black Two. The thing that really irritates me about this film is the um, is the locker reveal at the end. Well, it's just a it's just a pale facsimile of the first. And it doesn't even make sense. No, There's it doesn't. A, I watched a deleted uh, an alternate ending um, for for this, and it sort of it has the same beats at the end where uh, K and Z are trying to talk Jay out of his sort of funk, and they say they're going to send him on a holiday for two weeks. So he thinks they're sending him to 
the planet that Rosario Dawson went to. And he and they put him in a spaceship and fire him off. And it's kind of rendered in really weird CGI. And he arrives on this planet, wakes up, and then the aliens from the locker are chanting, J, J, J. And then it sort of pans out and he's actually in the locker. And Tommy Lee Jones closes on him, which I think makes much more sense. I mean, I guess. I, w- I would have hated that ending as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, it's not as illogical as, as Earth being in a locker. But uh, that's, that's the thing. You know how kids say a say a joke or say a funny thing and then they get a laugh from adults and then they just say it again and again and again and again yes that's kind of the men in black 2 ending okay it's just like oh it works really well in the first one let's do that again Mm. but oh we've got a locker in this one i just i yeah i i really don't like it there are there are so many things it is just a pale facsimile of the first one it's just oh the first one but more of it and flabbier and just weirder, so many kind of, so many kind of dropped kind of ideas. I just, I, yeah, it, it actually, it actually hurts me a little bit because again, we, what we've learned over the course of this podcast, I mean, I knew about it. I knew about it myself anyway, but what people and you will have learned is that, uh, when something was once good and it's turned to crap, it really fucking annoys me. <laughs> But not as much as people making up Deadpool jokes. No, no, that's still on the the the, the worst thing uh, ever. So uh, no, that's really stuck with you, that hasn't it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it it's it's not good, and I know I that's that- not controversial. I know that's not a hot take, but I mean, Men in Black Two sucks. There is one thing I like more in this film than the first one. Actually, two things. Go on. One, I like the fact that Neuralizer has a blue light. I think that's cool. Um, and the other one is, I think the song is much better. Ooh, controversial. Now, I've softened on Nod Your Head. I love Nod Your Head. Over over, over the kind of years. I, I was like, actually, this is kind of a jam. But I had the CD single of this, which had the first Men in Black song on it and Miami. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's the first... Men in Black song for me. I mean, Nod Your Head is good, and I will listen to it. Like the, there are there are about four or five Will Smith songs that I listen to, kind of on a regular basis, and and the two Men in Black ones are are in there. Uh, do you know what? I I'll let you have that, man. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bust balls nice. about that one. It's... Okay, I genuinely thought you would do that. No, 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 no. I I like it. I do like it. I don't think it's as as good or as iconic as the first. Men it's in not Black as thing. iconic, and the and the first song is cool. Yeah, um, uh, well, it's got um, that Stevie Wonder sample, hasn't it? Which is doing a lot of the work in the first one. But this one, yeah, Nod Your Head is a fantastic song. I I agree. I don't rate it as highly as you do, but I agree. What else do we have to say about Men in Black Two? Uh, I like the bit where it ends. <laughs> I just it's. It's such a lackluster sequel. That's that's the thing that really gets to me is the fact that, and and maybe this is spoiling the kind of thing, but Men in Black didn't need to be a franchise. Mm. It said all it needed to say in the first one. Well, particularly is by the end they've gone their separate ways. Yeah, I, I do. I do like the fact that um, you know he didn't work out with his wife. I don't. I thought I thought Kay deserves some happiness. I just think you know it does make it. Sad that there's always something he was, uh, I don't know, because I guess he was always missing something. Yeah. And I I do like him being like a, a fastidious postal worker mm. 
talking about you know brown paper and triple twist twine and and things like that but it's it's just the the sort of positives are massively outweighed and and it's it it feels like these kind of high points and little little bits that I actually like are just kind of smothered they just can't they just can't break the surface it's just dull wire foo and dodgy effects stick that on your fucking poster <laughs> it's all just wire foo and dodgy effects Rob Benya, the popcorn bucket. What now? I referred to as David Manning, which is a callback to the... uh, Oh, David Manning. See, that was nice. If you had said that louder... Should we try that again? Try for an organic thing. Just get a clear take of David Manning. David Manning. That's too clear. (laughs) Fuck's sake. Why is it every time I ask you for a clear take on just something just to make my job easier, you go, yeah, no problem. (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know what I've got it from. All right, David Manning. Nice. Nice. Nice acting. Um, Thank you. Right, you are intentionally trying to piss me off now. Just Men in Black 3. Just Men in Black 3. Okay. Men in Black 3. Okay, so moving on to Men in Black 3, which was released in 2012. Agent J travels in time to Men in Black's early days in 1969 to stop an alien from assassinating his friend Agent K and changing history. It was again directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, written by Ethan Cohen, starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, Josh Brolin, Jermaine Clement, Emma Thompson, and Michael Stuhlberg. So I, I would, I'm really interested to find out what you think about this one. Okay. I really like it. Um, I think it's a nice story. Um, I think it's some genuinely moving bits in it. Of the four films, it feels the least like a Men in Black film. But mm. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Yeah, I think Josh Brolin is fantastic as a young Tommy Lee Jones, even though he's not that much younger than Tommy Lee Jones, or not old enough to be, you know, from when this film is set. I he's think got those 50 miles. Yeah. Um, he's, he's in his 40s when he's playing 29. <laughs> and he's only 22 years younger than Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. I think it's a nice story. I think the sort of the time travel thing makes sense. I think the villain is, is again, quite creepy. Like with the sort of the weird insecty spidery hands. Um, I didn't know it was Jermaine Clement. It took him four hours in makeup, apparently, to, to have that. Yeah, I like it. Um, it doesn't quite have the relationship between Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones because Tommy Lee Jones isn't in a lot of it. But I think it really works. I like the fact there's always stuff Jay doesn't know. So there are two points in this where I thought the guy who voiced Frank the Pug had died, and that's why he's not in it, but pictures of Frank the Pug are. And I also thought by this point, I know he's died since, but I thought Rick uh, Rip Torn had died by this point, and that's why the, he wasn't in it. No, Rip Torn uh, was, was uh, going through a, a weird time. He busted yes. into a bank yeah. with a gun. Yes, uh, in his underwear or something. It was something yeah. crazy. So, uh, so they obviously he was not suitable for. Uh, He's in the background of the shot as an alien attending the funeral. Oh well, there you go. That's something because he is good, and and, and he, he was uh, such a big presence in, uh, especially the first one. Hmm. I like this movie a lot. I, I I agree. It's the least Men in Black of all of them. I think I think the Men in Black films have something to say about the sort of wider world. This is a personal story, yeah, between uh, J and K. And as you said, Tommy Lee Jones is barely in it. I think he's in for like fifteen minutes total. Really, of the runtime, it's all Josh Brolin for the rest of it. And Josh Brolin does an incredible job. Yeah, apparently he had very subtle nose prosthetics just to resemble Tommy Lee Jones that little bit more. But his impression is dead on. And uh, you really believe that uh, it's a young, it's a young K. 
Yeah. Also, shout out to Emma Thompson and then Alice Eve playing the young Agent O. So I didn't like that, the kind of retconning of, uh, you'd kind of had the impression that Kay had spent his entire career pining for his wife, but then you find that actually he'd been pining for Agent Agent O. I didn't necessarily like that. I thought they were sweet, but I just think they'd kind of, I wish I'd done one or the other. I kind of took it to mean that, that, you know, nothing happened between him and O. No, I know, yes, I know, yeah. But they, they had that sort of free song, but like he never capitalized on it. I'm fine with that. I like uh, Will Arnett as, um, I don't know what the agent letter was, but I like it when he refers to the little men's in Black Room. Yes. Yeah, I like comedians like Patrick Warburton and Will Arnett just turning up as random men in black agents. Speaking of and- Patrick Warburton, the woman who is in Kay's apartment when Jay goes to pick him up is the waitress from Men in Black 2 who Will Smith tells Patrick Warburton to marry. Ah. I like that when you see the uh, global destruction is on the background tele- of televisions, that, you know, in other films it would cut to it and you'd see the Eiffel Tower and the Taj Mahal getting destroyed, but here it's just a little thing in the background. Mm. Yeah, they, they, but that's the thing. They can keep bringing it back to just J and K. Mm. And, and that's why I think it works. I don't, I don't like the fact that K is seen as broken in some way. Like, because he's so surly all the time. Like, that can't just be his character. Like, something must have happened. I okay. get why, and it's an, I think it's an interesting story point, and I think what they do with it is actually genuinely affecting. But yeah, I, that's what I mean, it's genuinely moving. Huh? Yeah, and, and it, yeah, it really is. And, and It's it, also it, quite quite subtle, the way it's... Like, you sort of see the realisation on Will Smith's face, but you don't necessarily... They don't sort of... There's no tear of reunion, it's just done and you realize yes sad yeah and and that that does hit like a sledgehammer at the end there and i I saw a lot of reviews kind of calling that out for being too mawkish or maybe too heavy-handed yeah the the, even i think the empire review said that it was uh it goes for tugging the heartstrings which doesn't quite work i think it does Uh, you know uh, looking after his best pal Uh, yeah i thought that was really sweet yeah and he does well and that's luke cage is it? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Mike Coulter. Yeah. Oh, okay. I like the Andy Warhol bit. I like that you sort of think that he's going to be an alien and then it turns out it's an undercover agent. <laughs> yeah. Bill Hader, man. He's great. I just like the fact he admits that he's running out of ideas. So yeah, so he keeps cancer. paying them. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so sick of it. He's sick of everything. He just wants out. The time jump stuff is cool. I like the fact that he says a time jump, so he's got to jump off the, um, uh, the Chrysler, Chrysler building. Yeah. yeah. And the, the 1969 design is cool. It is. I like that. I like that all the aliens arriving in Men in Black headquarters look like they're from, you know, a cheap episode of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did a good job with the sort of Men in Black headquarters because I quite like how they sort of mirror the films they're in. The first one is kind of sleek and and you know it's got all a room for all these designs. The second one, it seems like there are a ton of brands just stuffed in there. Like there's Burger King and all all stuff in the second one. And then in, in the third one, it's all 1960s and it's, it's quite quaint and it's got that sort of retro style to it. Yeah. I, I, there, there's a lot to like in this movie. And I think, I don't know why, but I'd maybe, it had maybe sort of got worse in my memory. I was kind of like, well, nothing touches the first Men in Black. But actually, Men in Black 3 kind of does a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And I think Michael Stolberg is really good. I love Michael Stolberg. He has a nice face. I, li- I like him. He pops up and things. Yeah, well, I really like a serious man. And uh, he was good in Trumbo as well as Edward G. Robinson. 
I mean, because he's just there to to sort of explain the plot, isn't he? Yeah. Really, but yes. he does so much with it, and and I and I I believe him when he say it says it's his favorite moment in human history. You know, he's he's sweet and yes. he's unassuming, and it, it there's something genuinely lovely about his performance. I think he does a lot with not much, and well, it's just a testament to him being a great actor. This was uh, started filming without a script. It doesn't show up because the, this is the way the sort of franchise things work. It's just once they decide that they're doing a third part and once they got Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones back, they're just like, right. And, you know, yeah. they have a release date in mind before the ink is dry on the script, you know. So sometimes they start filming without a script because there's just so much effects work and so much kind of to do. Boris, I'm not sure about the animal stuff. He needed a weakness. I get that. But Boris the animal, it just doesn't click too much for me. I'm just, why, why does he care? Why, why does he, why does, is it just Boris? What do you say? What do you mean? Well, okay. So he doesn't like being called Boris the animal. Oh, I see. Yeah. And, and he needed to have a flaw. He needed to have a weakness that could be exploited, right? Because it, it was, it's like the bug. The bug had a, yeah. had an inferiority complex and had that whole thing with Will Smith crushing the cockroaches and it couldn't stand that. And so even though it was basically home free, it had to come down and, and had to do the thing. So you need, you need something for Boris, but the animal stuff, it just, it, it never trucked. I was just like, why does he care about being called an animal? Surely he's called a lot worse because he's a murderous scumbag. Hmm. Okay. I'd, but, but, it's fine and it serves the purpose and and you know i, I like the fact that uh jay uses the sort of time jump that's thing cool yes i like to, that to sort of fox him um and and yeah and he's like boris the animal and that gets his attention so you know that's cool uh yeah and the creepy spider thing housed in the hand and the arm yeah, is horrible. gross yeah really really gross yeah it's quite uh, an effective looking villain for sure, I like that he looks like Macho Man Randy Savage uh, in uh, in the sixties. He's got the bandana, he's got the, the kind of the beard and everything. Okay, he looks like the Macho Man. That's a wrestling reference for peeps out there. The uh, bikes coming from the destroyed car at the Bat Pod were cool. Yes, yes, I like those. There, there are a lot of things about this that I really like. Mm. Just in general, just just and and the bikes. Just you know, a fun chase. Um, yeah, it's cool. I, there's, there's, and I also, I must admit, I like the Statue of Liberty being a giant neuralizer. Yeah, you're not a fan of that. That was Men in Black Two. Oh yeah, Men in Black Two. Yeah, but I'm just, I'm thinking about cool events. But yeah, I got confused. I watched Men in Black Two and Men in Black Three today. Oh okay. So you know, and I'll edit it so I'm right. <laughs> I don't mean the actual movies, I mean me saying it. Yes, no, I, I did like that bit. We spoke about the Twin Towers when we talk about Men in Black 2. In this one, you don't see the Twin Towers um, when he goes back in time, even though they would have been there then. Yeah, I think sort of rebuilding them as, as he falls to the thing and then collapsing them again as he comes back, that'd be a bit too much, wouldn't it? Maybe. So yeah, no, Men in Black 3 is, is one of those things where I think I've actually grown to like it a lot more than when I initially did in the cinema. I, I really like it. Um, 
it feels of the four films, it feels the least like a Men in Black film, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. No. No. No, I agree there. I and I think it's a good sort of capper for their partnership. Yeah. And and I, I think it's I think it's really sweet that the, the scene in the sort of the diner where um where Jay doesn't admit that he knows everything, but just says thank you, and then uh, Kay says it's been my privilege. Yeah, yeah. So I guess you get the impression. I mean, I suppose they could have sort of maybe showed him watching out for him for him throughout his life, and that was kind of why he led to the organization. I guess it's all implied. And I also think the ending for it, the actual kind of final ending with with the sort of. Uh, multiple futures and and the kind of j uh k leaving a tip and that oh not leaving a tip and that being like a meteor i i like that as well i like the fact that uh griffin can see all these kind of possible futures and they all happen at the same time and everything and i thought that was a good way that was a good ending to sort of tap into the theme of the first one that was sort of like a nice note rather than just the stupid locker thing yeah yeah you know, I mean, they've all got to have this ending, but uh, but I, I like the fact that this one it, it makes sense, yeah, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so then we have Men in Black International. So Men in Black International came out seven years later in 2019. Uh, the Men in Black have always protected the Earth from the scum of the universe. In this new adventure, they tackle their biggest threat to date: a mole in the Men in Black organization. Directed by F. Gary Gray, written by Matt Holloway and uh, Art Markham, starring Chris Hemsworth, Tessa Thompson, Kamel Nanjani, Rebecca Ferguson, Race Ball, Emma Thompson, and Liam Neeson. Mm. So, I take it, like me, this was your first viewing? It was, yes, yeah. Yeah. So, in between these films, uh, in between Men in Black uh, 3 and International, there was the Sony Pictures League where they were talking about MIB 23, which was going to be a crossover between Men in Black and, and the 21 slash 22 Jump Street film. Mm. I feel I was the only one who wasn't looking forward to that. I didn't think anybody was looking forward to it. I thought it sounded like a terrible idea. Oh, the sort of film sites that I'd seen, maybe it's just because people like novelty or whatever, but it it's like I love 21 and 22 Jump Street. I think yeah, but they're, 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 they're totally different films. Yeah, exactly. And and I didn't want to see I didn't know. I didn't want to see a crossover. No, I'm glad it I'm glad it all fell through. Mm. Um I I think it would have been a detriment to both franchises and I think it was just it was just Sony Pictures going, what do we own? Um Yes, yeah, it has let's knock them together like the sort of action figures when you sort of knock them together to fight that that's kind of what it felt like to me. And despite being a fan of Men in Black and the uh Jump Street movies, I was dead against it. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure maybe if if Lord and Miller were doing the writing, it would have been cool. But I think they were just producers. I think it was just you know they'd have got some people in. It would have been it would have been a terrible, terrible film. I I, I didn't see any potential in the idea whatsoever. No, no. Uh, that was sort of dead in the water for me. I'm glad you weren't looking forward to it either, because I've talked I talked to people, genuine people, who were just like, oh, I can't believe they're not doing that. Men in Black Jump Street movie. Yeah, no, I thought it was not a terrible idea. Cool. We're agreed. We have an accord. We have an accord. So, what they did go with is a spin-off 
Men in Black International. Which looks at a different branch of Men in Black, which is an interesting idea to say they've got different Oh, for sure. I mean, you know. You know, but uh, so what was your takeaway on this? Well, for the opening scene, I thought, Okay, spoiler, spoiler alert for a film that came, did only come out two years ago. Um, I thought it was clear that Liam Neeson was a bad guy. Yeah. Um, I like that the character of uh, of Molly, played by Tessa Thompson, is prepared. Um, I don't think the dynamic works between her and Chris Hemsworth, which is strange because Thor Ragnarok, they were brilliant together. Mm. Um, I wonder if my overall issue is, I think where it worked in certainly the first men in black is you got that as you said that dynamic between the jaded expert and the rookie whereas this doesn't have it this one has a sort of a playboy and somebody who already knows more than the audience because she knows all about the aliens mm. so there's no audience way in like will smith was for the first film mm, interesting um i think chris hemsworth is quite unlikable in this and for my, for a, a lot of the film and I don't think it really, I don't think his character really recovers from that. I mean, I know there's meant to be a reason for it, but I don't think it, I think he's kind of, I guess, what, what's the, what's the word you would use? He's a douche. Um, yeah, he's an absolute cock end. And I don't think, I don't think it comes back from that. No, I, I fully agree. I, I have not disliked a main character that I was clearly meant to like, you know, he was meant to be, likable but still you know reckless arrogant all the things they they pay lip service to but he's yeah he is a douche you're you're correct in quoting me (laughs) um (laughs) yeah i i fully fully agree i think he's he's really really unlikable and it takes a lot to dislike chris hemsworth i like him in so many things yeah yeah I mean, he's, um, he, you know, he's great in Thor, in which he's playing, I guess, a similar character in that he's kind of arrogant and cocksure. Well, especially a, in the, especially in the first one, before he yeah. learns some humility and becomes worthy of Mjolnir again. Yeah, but he's fundamentally a decent guy. Yeah. No, um, he's, H is a douche. Yeah, that, that bit of the hammer, I just thought was, <laughs> he's played a role in a different Yeah. Film. Yeah, I got that as well. People were talking about how that was the best gag in the movie. I was just like, well, I mean, comparatively, I guess. But yeah, that sort of semi Avengers, yeah, great. Yeah, he's Thor. We know he's Thor. I'm trying to forget that he's Thor for this one. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Look at this much better film. Um, yeah, I find it weird. It retcons the organization and says that Alec Eiffel was one of the first agents when it's only been around since 1964 or whatever it said in the first film. I don't think the makers of this film saw Men in Black. Or if they did, they had a neuralizer afterwards. Nice. You hear that? People who did Men in Black International. <laughs> Rob just slammed you. Um, if it is, so when Agent M, or Rookie M, I guess, gets the train from the New York branch to the London branch on a super fast railway station, it's at the Men in Black headquarters. So my question to you, Ben, is why does it need to appear like an old train and then turn into a new train? a super fast train, if everybody on it knows what it's doing. Because the other films had a bit where a thing changed from an old thing into a newer thing. That's all it cares about is looks. It, yeah, the... it doesn't make any sense. And the blue light as well, is that just for the audience benefit? Or do people see that? Because if that's going up and down the Thames every day, surely someone's going to fucking notice. 
if we can see it from that far out, from that aerial shot, I mean, look, and again, logic in a Men in Black movie, I get it, but it's just when you're bored, you tend to think about these things. It's when the storytelling magic isn't working anymore, you start seeing the strings. You start seeing the man behind the curtain. And and my, this is where my brain went. I hate this movie. I really do. I, I can't, I, it's such a lazy men in black and like name only. It's just, it just, it doesn't have anything to say. The thing, the thing that really kind of got to me is that the, the international thing is cool, right? Molly mm. figuring out the whole men in black thing and finding them is a cool concept. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted them to sort of, and it's it, okay. I'm going to try not to like sort of fan pitch it, but like I wanted, I wanted them to sort of dive more into that. Like the Men in Black are a mysterious organization. That's the the whole thing. That a lot of it is hiding in plain sight, and and you know, but they don't have like fucking invisibility cloaks over their shit. I don't know why. Where they just have that sort of permeable thing that they can go through, and then all of a sudden that that's not been a thing before, but. I quite like that. I thought it was a nice concept. I, I, I didn't really mind it. I, it just felt like a, you know, it just like a Harry Potter hand wave. Oh, it's a magical barrier type thing. The, me. Is, is the cab entrance to the Alien Club was very Harry Potterish. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I wanted I wanted them to delve into sort of like her getting like fragments, maybe from the hot sheets, those trash tabloid things and sort of piecing stuff together the fact mm. she's got this sci-fi computer and she's logged in as a professor i mean i get that she's meant to be computer savvy and smart but it takes away all the thing it's just like oh okay she's done it all we have the the you know where she's trying to join the fbi and the cia and... i know but it's just it's just like i don't know i i just i wished it wasn't just some kind of computer readout on oh it's an unusual thing happening i better get there first and then uh, just yeah, and I I really like Tessa Thompson. I like Chris yeah. Hemsworth. I like I like Emma Thompson. No relation, I think, to Tessa mm-hmm. Thompson. I, I like Rafe Spall. Rafe Spall, he is right the entire time. Yes, to call Hemsworth out on his douchiness. Yeah, yeah. He, at the end, at the end of the film, I thought that Chris Hemsworth would have grown and said that he should lead the London branch. No, no, he's a he's a glory hound. That's what he is. I just, I yeah. I it was good to see Emma Thompson back. I'm glad she got to kind of play that role. But again, I could have done with more of her. And Liam Neeson. It was obvious from the first fucking trailer that he was the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. And and I was expecting some sort of like double bluff, but no, no, no. He's just he's just the bad guy that you think he is. As soon as they start talking about moles and everything, you're just like okay, it's Liam Neeson. Cool. I like the design of the chess pieces. It sort of put me in mind of batteries not included. Yes. Yes, I see that. And I like the fighting scene. I mean, up until that stupid hammer bit. But I like how it's very mirrored between H&M and who they're fighting, that it, the sort of the shots blend into each other. That was quite nicely done. Yeah, I quite, um, like, I quite like Pawnee, actually. He gets a few all right lines. I think that's what most of the reviews said, that he was the best thing in it. I yeah. think the, the the design of the bad guys before they take human form, where they're, they're kind of like universe beings, I think they they look nice. I, I think, think, it's a, it's a nice I think design. that's a cool concept to sort of mm. like um, alter matter. I like when they, they sort of melt the car and solidify it as like a shield against the gunfire. 
yeah and things like that that is really cool and yes they do look really really awesome as like like a nebula or something it's like all those colors going in that's cool but um, and and they're they're famous dancers apparently i'm too old to yeah, know these yeah. people but um and and i figured they probably were dancers considering they have that scene at the club where they dance but yeah there are there are things i like about it but um not many <laughs> my question is like why this weak ass story why didn't they kind of like immigration and everything is like a much much hotter topic well apparently if the script was more about that when chris hansworth and Tema thompson tessa thompson signed on to it that was why they signed on because it was more overtly about immigration mm. but and I, think then they just... a, I think it was like lots of fallings out between the director and the producer and the director tried to walk away from it a few times and in the end yeah. they showed two cuts and they went with the producer's version which is what was released so yeah. hashtag release the F. Gary Gray cut. For sure, because there might be an interesting movie in there. I I figured that that would be that would be the way into it would be this sort of parallels with our political situation. Well, particularly I mean, the first that. one. I mean, it wasn't overtly about immigration, but there were sort of nods and parallels between, and say, the, the the van crossing the border and mm. and, the, and the space station. Since then, in the sort of what twenty. 20 odd years since it's only become a bigger topic so yeah and aliens coming to uh, like maybe you know maybe in record numbers and so there's some huge universal you know kind of thing happening and they're all migrating to earth you know it's like that would be that would be the the story that i would do if i was in charge but they never called me back (laughs) so i just yeah Hemsworth is unlikable. I can't yeah. get a beat on on Tessa Thompson as a character. She's she's smart and spunky. But I think I, I think it's because there is no there's no audience way in because he's already an expert yeah, as, I think, as an I agent and unlikable, right and she is a genius. Um, I mean, I've no I've no issue the way you know I, I quite like the fact she's done the, I've done all the research. But then, if unless he was like a bumbling agent who didn't really know what he was doing. And mm. and the rookie was having to bring the the agent along. I think that would work. But yeah, the way they're both experts, there's no there's no way in for the audience. Yeah, and I don't. It, it's like a neat nod to to the first movie with uh, J and K on the painting against the bug. But like, they save the galaxy all the time. Why would that be a notable thing? Yeah, I was surprised like, there wasn't like a painting to the second film. But then I guess everyone's. No, <laughs> no, no one wants to remember that. And plus, um, you know, <laughs> Statue of Liberty, you're a lighter. <laughs> it got everyone. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was sort of surprised there was no slight cameo from Smith or Jones. I, I'm i not. I think they, they wanted, this was this was the sort of soft reboot type Cause, thing. Because they had both said they'd go, they'd go back to it. Yeah. But I think they just wanted to step out on their own kind of thing and try and try and create a franchise and this is what they went with hmm. this i mean dear lord and i was i was kind of like i i was kind of against it from the first trailer i'll be honest with you you know when they when they were pulling out all the guns from the car like i was just like aren't they just a little bit too handy i get that they have all this technology and everything but it was just like mm, okay fine and then and then just you know none of the lines made me laugh and i thought oh god here we go this is just going to be surface level crap and it is 
it is just what if aliens yeah um and and i think i think the sort of tactile thing rick baker retired before this film came out and i think he was being tempted out of retirement to do some of the alien designs and things in in uh, international but okay. they just went with some fucking cgi nonsense as well and i just i didn't like any of the proper designs the uh, any of the alien designs really they were they were just cgi aliens I th- well i like the dancers before they turned human that that those nebula beings as, as we said i thought yes that that was a that was a cool design uh yeah i will give them that and i thought that them sort of uh melting people into like some gooey mush that was kind of dark hmm. uh but but i mean that it's like you know when she sees the sort of dog type alien creature and then it busts it's just they're all the same it, it just i know they're not clearly and they clearly had a lot of work put into them different colors and all sorts of different designs but i i just get i just get so sick of just cgi crap and it was just, oh, this is the thing that looks like this. This is the thing that looks like this. It just struck me as kind of just, oh, okay, let's see if we can make a Funko Pop out of it. <laughs> you know, it, that that sort of thing, just to get more aliens in there. You know, everyone loves the aliens. Um, and, and, you know, and, oh, get a red button thing in, because everyone loves the red button thing in, in Men in Black movies. You've got to have a red button. No, I was going to say, this one doesn't have an ending like the marbles or the locker door or the... Uh, no chaos i may have blacked out by then i can't remember the ending what is the ending i just drive off in a they just drive off in a car oh yeah they have a ritual because they like each other so much Hmm. yeah that chemistry that just didn't happen i was surprised reading some of the reviews that were saying oh their their chemistry makes it at least passable no i i didn't feel it at all it felt like they were both doing what they good at doing but they just kept missing each other strange because phil ragnarok they had amazing chemistry yeah sparking off each other like nobody's Mm. business i i don't i honestly don't know what happened here i think just the script is letting them down yeah and i i you know taika watiti uh had the sort of you know if it was being ad-libbed and and kind of refined on the thing he had that sort of rhythm he had that speech and he could kind of keep it snappy Whereas, you know, the, the absolute dirge they're forced to kind of uh, regurgitate in this movie. I mean, even the best actors in the world would struggle with that. I just, yeah. And it's it's so sad. I just, I, I, I don't, I didn't want Men in Black to be a franchise. But they could do so much better than Men in Black International. So much yeah, better. Yeah. And and I I don't know why we ended up with this this blah nothing of a movie, and it was because it was kind of so generic and passable that I kind of hated it all the more. I don't know. I mean, you you sound like you you didn't like it, but you didn't hate it as much as I did, which is a common thing for this podcast. <laughs> I. Uh... I, I I don't enjoy it. Um, I, th- I mean, I think maybe the issue with this and Men in Black 2 is it, they there's no heart to them, whereas 1 and 3, there's a lot of heart. For sure. Um, and perhaps that's what makes a decent Men in Black film. This one feels more like Men in Black than the third one, but it's not as good a film as the third one. Yeah. Well, this one this one has all the trappings of a Men in Black movie. Yeah, super, it has, superficially. I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a surface skimming. 
It's um, but they didn't they didn't get any of the sort of like connective tissue and heart. I like um, the idea of seeing um, how it's handled in in different countries. Um, it sort of puts me in mind of there's a. I read a vague uh, sort of description of somebody's plan for a Ghostbusters film it was when they redid Ghostbusters. Was it was this called now Ghostbusters Answered the Call? Um, yes, Ghostbusters was a, 2016. Thank you. Um, that there was an idea that you'd have all these different Ghostbusters teams, and it was going to be made up of you'd have a cr- um, a crew made up of the people in Saturday Night Live, a crew made up of people in Parks and Recreation, a crew made up of people in Thirty Rock, and and, and all these different. I guess kind of like. Not that I've seen Anchorman 2, but that kind of all the different news teams made up mm. of existing programs. And that the main film would be the original Ghostbusters trying to unite all these franchise Ghostbusters. And I think that would kind of work for this. If you could have, you know, a UK branch of Men in Black made up of some famous UK comedians and France, Spain, etc. And, you know, having, having that as the international element. But yeah, I could see that. I just I don't mean- think. Certainly, be more interesting than what we got. Yeah, it doesn't really deliver on the international thing. I know they go different places, but it's like not. Also, why would you have one organization? You know, if you've got America covering, you, you, you know, what well, presumably I met all of America or just New York, because they say that most of the aliens are in Manhattan. Um, yeah, why does the London branch cover all of Europe? Because that's how America sees the world. Oh, to be fair, and that's how Britain often sees the world. Well, we don't see ourselves as part of Europe anymore, apparently. So, Rob, I think I think we've got to do the bucket list, mate. I think we've got to. I imagine some... we've got the same order. You reckon? Hmm. So, what's your least favourite one? I'm I'm going to say Men in Black International. And getting one point, I would agree. Yeah. So, what would you give? Well, what's your second least favourite? I would I would say Men in Black Two is mine. Second yeah, least that's favorite. mine. Yep. And then Men in Black 3? Yep. And, and then, then Men in Black. Yeah. So the official popcorn bucket bucket list order is is Men in Black is the best one, followed by Men in Black 3, followed by Men in Black 2, followed by Men in Black International. Yes. And I'm happy with that. So um, do you have franchise fatigue? Because I think we've done a, a couple of these now and my answer is usually yes, but I'd quite like them to do it as it was. But, you know, if they can make more films, I'd say on this, I definitely have franchise fatigue. I love Men in Black. I really enjoy Men in Black 3, but they've tried three times now to yeah, recapture exactly. the magic and they can't. So absolutely, just leave it alone. Yes. That Men in Black 23 idea, I didn't like it. And I also felt it was far more jam- damaging to the Jump Street films than it was to Men in Black. Yeah. No, I agree. I I do have franchise fatigue. I I I honestly don't know why they can't make a half decent one. I'm not saying you can't make you know make another classic like Men in Black. I do think Men in Black isn't. I've said before, a stone cold classic. I think I think it would be difficult for a movie to try and go for the sort of wit and and intelligence that that film has. But there's no reason why we can't have a decent Men in Black movie. But well, as you said, be, they've tried so many times. Yeah, yeah it seemed to be uh, like lightning in a bottle. They, they, yeah, they tried it three times. It worked once, but that was the you know the only time it worked with Men in Black three. But that wasn't didn't feel like a Men in Black film. Good God, no! Just let it die. Just yeah, let it I'd die. Ag- I'd agree. Yeah, which is a shame, and it, it sucks to say that. But 
that's how it is. And I'm sure they're not done with it. I'm sure they're there going to try. There doesn't seem to be any news of, of anything at the moment. Although, Give them five years. Yeah, unless they maybe did a reboot based. Apparently the comics are a bit grittier, so maybe they did that. But Yeah, well, they had, they in the comics, they had them killing people to sort of like tie up loose ends as yes. well. Yeah. So I'm not sure they'd go for that. I think Sony want their sort of family friendly franchise. But I mean, possibly. You never know. I mean, Christ, they're going to cross it over with Jump Street. So who the hell knows what's going on there? But I'm, yeah, I'm glad that there are no sort of men in black projects on the horizon. I'm, I'm, I'm let's, let's leave it there now. Let's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, and it's a shame. And I don't want to go out on, on a negative. Yeah. But it, it's time to okay. wrap us up, buddy. Strapping the sunglasses and fire up the neuralizer. Yeah, That's Agent this B week. and Agent R. We've got to bounce. That's it for this week. Thank you very much for your time and thank you for listening. We'd love to have your feedback. Please email podcast at thepopcornbucket.com or ben at thepopcornbucket.com. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram at popcornbucketpod or over on Twitter at popcornbucketpd. Thank you very much to Lawrence Owen of Longcat Media for the theme music. If you're able to, it'd be great if you can rate the episode wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe and share it with your friends. Many thanks, take care, and see you next episode. Catch you next time. Rock roaches. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs>